the Alcoholic Anonymous organization is quite well known to me in many places of America as well as India. I've met with its members and I've spoken many times. And I have found perhaps the most receptive audience of any other organization. Being a minister, I lecture in many churches, many synagogues, many temples. I lectured often in assemblies of Jews, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, scholars. And I found that in most religions of the world, the people approach the religion in a very superficial, in a very ritualistic manner. The conception of God is more something that has been accepted due to tradition rather than due to a very deeply ingrained feeling of need. And therefore, most people, they chant their mantras, they do their puja, they give their donations, more as an act of routine. Alcoholics Anonymous is a body of people who have come together not due to some family tradition, but they have come together because they feel from the core of their hearts that they are in utter need. They are at the end of the line. They are in desperation. Without the help of God, they are hopeless. And reading some of the literatures of Alcoholics Anonymous Institution, I have found that this is the basic principle. That we are helpless, we are hopeless, we are totally dependent on the mercy of God, and without His mercy, we have no hope. Alcoholism is one of the great weapons of this material energy to keep men and women intoxicated and completely lose scope of the real purpose of life. This energy is so powerful and we are so insignificant. I think most of you can fully grasp what I'm trying to say. The alcoholic disease is so overpowering, so overwhelming to the mind, to the senses, to every aspect of our body, that it makes a monster out of an innocent person. I know my own brother, due to addiction, very simple, very humble, very innocent young boy, 
he became like a monster. He was stealing my mother's own wedding jewelry and selling it just to get money for this drug. And he knew that he was doing the most horrible thing, but he couldn't stop. In America, alcoholism, like everything else in America, is very advanced. America is the country of the world that everyone is chasing after. It's technology, it's scientific development, it's economic policies, it's industrialization, but along with it, alcoholism, drug addiction, crime, and so many other social frustrations. In the United States of America, the number one cause of death is alcoholism. The number one cause of death is automobile accidents. And 80% of all automobile accidents that are serious, involving serious injuries and death, are due to alcoholism drunken driving. The divorce rate in America is for every two marriages. Within five years, the divorce rate is 66%. And according to statistics, one of the major reasons for divorce is drugs and alcohol. It destroys the family unit. Ah, this leads to another problem, juvenile delinquency. It is one of the greatest problems in America today. They do not know what to do. In the city streets, juvenile delinquency is so bad, it's so horrible. Ah that most of the governments, they've tried so many welfare approaches, so many agencies, so many outreaches, most of the leaders have thrown up their hands and said, there's nothing we can do about this juvenile It's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. To the extent where people cannot even walk outside of their doors at night in the cities of America without fearing being robbed, killed, or raped. And it's mostly by the youths. 90% of all juvenile delinquency in America is by children from broken homes. Children whose parents were divorced. Usually due to drinking and drugs. And those children, practically all of them, are engaged in alcohol and drugs. What I'm telling you is Alcohol and drugs, the greatest material country in the world, the United States of America, is being destroyed from inside out due to this horrible disease, which is making monsters out of human beings. I was explaining that it is very difficult to give up. 
In fact, there's an example that the river flows very strong. And the most powerful of all living creatures on earth is the elephant. When the elephant goes to bathe in the river, when the current is strong, even the most powerful element, elephant, despite all his strength, is washed away. Don't just speak of an ordinary man. Contrary to the strength of the elephant, the most insignificant of all creatures is the tiny little fish. Huh? Now the fish is in the same river, easily swims downstream, upstream, across stream, no problem. How is that possible? Because the elephant is trying to go against the current of the river. And with all his strength, the river overcomes it. By his own individual ability. But the tiny little fish has learned how to take shelter of the river. Therefore, it is free, it is independent any way it likes. So similarly, this material nature is very powerful. It is undefeatable. And the sins and the vices that we become habituated to are unconquerable. And whether we have hundreds of millions of rupees, whether we have high, high influential position within society, we see how such a thing as alcoholism completely controls us. We have no power to do that. But one who learns how to take shelter of the Lord, who is the source of everything that exists, on the basis of that power, that strength of God, one is liberated. One is no longer under the influence of the vices of this world. The 12 steps of Alcoholic Anonymous is one of the most spiritual paths that I have found because it is teaching people how to genuinely, from the core of one's heart, accept and admit that we are powerless. And that without the help of God, we are hopeless. The first step, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood. It's very hard to find one person in one church, synagogue, mosque, or temple who has truly decided to turn their lives over to God. 
Ah. And that is the purpose of life. That is the goal of life. According to all the great religious traditions of the world. So, as I have said so many times before, I am very grateful for what this wonderful fellowship is doing for humanity. Recently, I met one doctor who was an alcoholic just a few years back. Our, our Nikki, he was his counselor. Nikki told me this person was practically a hopeless, impossible case, very difficult. Now this man is dedicating his life internally and externally to the service of God, although he's still a doctor. But he's truly and deeply a religious man, truly calling out for the mercy of God. He told me if it wasn't for his alcoholism, he would have been like every other successful doctor in society, in complete ignorance of the goal of life, completely callous to the truth that we are completely dependent on the mercy of God. Factually, without the mercy of God, you could not breathe one breath because he is supplying the air. He is supplying the sunshine and the rain. He has supplied the earth in which the food grows. Knowledge is to understand the truth. And the truth is that 100% of every aspect of our life is completely dependent on the mercy of God. But the common man is thinking that I'm doing very well. I'm in control. And everything is going according to my plan. This is the grandest illusion. In America, the wealthiest people are the most frustrated. They must take sleeping pills to sleep at night. They must go to psychiatrists just to be able to deal with their daily activities. And most of them are drinking and taking drugs. Incomplete illusion. The beginning of knowledge is to understand the truth that I am completely dependent on the mercy of God at all times. Alcohol might be an addiction, an intoxicant, but this whole world is intoxicated. Intoxicated by ignorance and illusion. Therefore, this doctor told me that he considers it the great mercy of God that he was put into the situation of a desperate, hopeless case of alcoholism. His family was turning against him. He couldn't do his profession right. His whole life was totally in shambles. And in this condition, he realized his position. In this position, he came into the fellowship of the Alcoholics Anonymous organization and was willing to humble himself, to put aside his pride and admit 
with all honesty that I need help. And only the help of God is the power to help me. And how through all of my brothers and sisters, the help of God is coming to me. He was telling me what a wonderful benediction it was to become an alcoholic and to come into the congregation of such people. Otherwise, he said, my life would have been wasted like practically everyone else in this world. We find that most genuine religious people throughout history had to be put in a crisis situation beyond their power to solve before they really and genuinely turn to God. Even the Roman Empire. The Romans hated the Christians. Do you know this? The Romans were the worst enemy of the Christians. Under the king of Rome, Christians would be kidnapped, imprisoned, and there would be public exhibitions where they would be fed to lions. In the Colosseum in Rome, they used to have gladiators where Christians were forced to kill each other. And tens of thousands of people would be there to watch and cheer on and make their bets. It's like the horse races. But the king of Rome, he was in battle. And his army was being completely defeated. And he had no one to turn to and nowhere else to turn to. And he could understand that I'm going to lose everything and I'm going to die. He was an atheist. And he thought, my God, there's nothing I can do to solve this situation. We're overpowered. We're being destroyed. Maybe there is a God. And he thought of God. He said, my dear Lord, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless. I need you. Please help. And when he desperately, hopelessly turned to God, he had a vision. And I will help you win this war. But then you have to become my friend. <laughs> and my follower. And then they became victorious. This was King Constantine. And then he officially made the whole Roman Empire Christian. There are tens of thousands, millions of examples. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, there is a story of the, of the Brahmin from Avantadesh. Very wealthy businessman. Great power, influence, and money. And he was a very cruel man because he was thinking that I have my life under control. I'm better than everybody else. See how much I have. See what I can do. But then one day, beyond his control, thieves came and stole all of his property. He was left with nothing. In those days, there was no insurance policies. 
and all of his friends, all these big aristocratic people who simply used him because of his social position. They wanted nothing to do with him. His wife left him, his children left him. He was laying on the ground with one set of clothes and he had nothing and no one in this world. And he simply began to cry. His heart was piteously, grievously weeping. Everything he was attached to, everything he loved was gone. And in that condition, after hours and hours and hours and hours of crying, of pain and suffering, he had an awakening within his heart. And if I just turn to God, and my life will be successful. And with true, honest devotion, in a helpless condition, he cried out the name of God. And by crying out the name of God once, in a helpless frame of mind, one can experience the full presence of God within oneself. And he became a completely liberated saint at that moment. And all the unlimited peace and happiness from within just began to pour from him. And then with tears of joy, he began to praise the Lord. And to this day, thousands and thousands of years later, we read this man's teachings and we are inspired by his example. So you see, most of us, in order to take religion seriously, God seriously, we have to be trampled upon. We have to realize our true position completely dependent on His mercy. Of course, one doesn't have to go through these things, but usually that is what is needed. You have heard the saying, experience is the best teacher. How many of you have heard this saying before? Raise your hand. Experience is the best teacher. Uh, most all of them. But do you know the whole saying? If you know the rest of the saying, raise your hand. Nobody. That's only half. The saying is, experience is the best teacher, and a fool learns by no other way. In other words, an intelligent man, just by hearing proper understanding of life, he will act accordingly. But a fool, after hearing repeatedly, he will not listen, he will not accept, he will go against it, and he will become smashed as a result, and through that experience, then he will learn the hard way. The school of hard knocks. Huh? So all the great spiritual teachers, this organization is not sectarian by nature, but we can accept and embrace the great teachings of all the great saints. Lord Jesus Christ, Muhammad, Lord Sri Krishna, Lord Buddha, they have all taught that this world is a place of birth and death. 
This world is a place where ultimately everyone has to suffer, whoever you are, whatever your position is. But you are completely dependent on God. And your real constitutional position, your nature, is to serve Him and to love Him and to call out for Him with devotion. We have heard this again and again and again. Millions of people every day go to the religious foundations and the religious buildings and hear this message. But practically no one takes it seriously in their life. They just go on with all their sinful ways. They go on with all their materialistic ways. And they pay their donation and they listen to the sermon and they say, oh yes, yes, very good, I, I, I agree. But in their hearts they do not agree. You see, spiritual life is meant to change your heart, not to just entertain your mind or give you some sense, false sense of security. So, very few people are willing to learn from hearing. But when the experience comes, then we have. Really, nowhere else to turn. For one who is addicted to alcohol, he only has two directions to turn. Either to the Alcoholics Anonymous organization, where they are teaching you how to depend on God and by His unlimited power, free from this horrible fate, And the other direction is to a slow, horrible, miserable death, which will cause incredible <coughs> sufferings to all your friends, relatives, and loved ones. Ah, I think most of you in this room have come to that crossroads and are all very proud today that you accepted the right road, the path to God. Consider it a blessing. Whatever way you come to the conclusion that you understand your helpless position before God, accept it as a blessing. And never let go of that blessing. We need each other. There is a verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Just this morning I was speaking, I was counseling someone, and I quoted this verse, and I used all of you as an example. The verse is by associating with godly people, we become godly. And by associating with degraded people, we become degraded. And this is an absolute law. And there's no exceptions. Show me an exception. And I explained to them that the first principle of Alcoholics Anonymous is you already have such a strong tendency for drinking. Forget about your future in life if you associate with anyone that drinks. Correct? Isn't that what you teach? 
If you want to give it up, associate with people who will encourage you on the right path, who will inspire you, give you strength. This is the process of spiritual life. But when we lose God from the center, ah, then we are simply a victim of our surroundings. So, my humble request and appeal to all of you today is to take advantage of what God has given you in the association of one another. It is said in the Bible that a man should be the keeper of his brother. Huh? In fact, we need each other. And such persons like Gabby and Nikki, I'm sure there are many more amongst you, but I know very personally these two very, very exalted souls. They are dedicating their lives to helping, to reaching out, to giving the gift of God that has been given to them. Huh? They are truly religious men. You see, in giving we receive. Do not become proud. No one has anything to be proud of. But in this world, everyone is proud. Except most of you in this room. You have been smashed hard enough to know that you have nothing to be proud of. And in that prideless condition, you accepted the help of God. You turned to God. Just like you saw in Mahabharata, Draupadi, when she was being stripped naked, as long as she had any pride that she could help herself, it was her against Dushasana, a mighty warrior, thousands of times stronger than her. But when she realized, I have no defense against this monstrous person, and in a completely prideless state of mind, she threw up her arms and she chanted the names of God, Hey Krishna, Hey Govinda. And God was right there to help. We must have this faith. The name of God in every religion is said to be non different than God Himself. Whether you call Him Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, Christ, Krishna, Hari, Rama, Govinda. The name of God is non different than God. In the Bible it says, chant the name of God and you will be saved. And in the Vedas it is said, Harinam, 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 Evakevanam, Kalonaskeva, Naskeva, Naskeva, Gatiranjika. That there is no greater means of deliverance from all suffering than chanting the name of God. There are so many people chanting the name of God. But 
how many are chanting with a feeling of dependence, of helplessness? How many are calling out the name of God with devotion? 